teams and happier teams. Shane, if we kind of move through the rapid fire round. I was going to just run through a couple of questions before we get into the playoffs in more detail. Which team do you think is happiest to be in the in the playoffs? That's a difficult question. I think it's the difference between happiest and most fortunate. I think the most fortunate. Oh, we got there, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know. That's talk about a team which, yeah, you know, everyone who's looking at them is like, you know, what? I don't think you should be there, and they did. There's the happiest. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of the Rams uh, have d- developed quite well through the second half of the season. Uh, the Bills similarly have have gone on a, on a fantastic run and, and clinched the number two seed. But I think the one that's probably the happiest is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, here's a, uh, a franchise that has had elite quarterback play for so long. This is their first season after Aaron Rodgers has left. A lot of question marks hanging around, around the team before it started. Uh, an assumption, I think, before the season started that it was between the Lions and the Vikings to win the NFC North. I know the Vikings ended up dealing with more problems than we anticipated. The Lions did end up sealing the division. And the Packers have managed to hit a nice couple of purple patches and beaten a couple of decent opponents along the way to, to see the playoffs but sure enough it was you know they were only got in there by the skin of their teeth if they had one game less it would have been the Seahawks in there but you know I, I think it's, it's important to talk about where we're focusing on uh, on Jordan Love in particular it's okay for someone not to be a hate straight away if you're a Green Bay Packers fan and there's, and there's a lot of talk around the Packers the Packers obviously one of those teams that sort of gets a lot of the media speculation and talk about quarterbacks it's okay people are trying to figure out now whether Jordan Love is the kind of guy who can lead a team for 10 years or whether he's a bit, you know, a bit of a flash in the pan. It's okay to let someone be not an immediate hit, not a, uh, not elite straight away and let him develop over a couple of years. And I think throughout this year, we've seen Jordan Love go from, you know, great game to bad game to managing to get some sort of consistency at the end of the year. That's quite important quarterback growth that instills confidence that the Green Bay Packers can be an even better team next year. Do I think they'll beat the the Dallas Cowboys this week? No, but in terms of the the expectations before the season, well, like this is a, it's the youngest team in the NFL. This is a very young squad. It's quite clear that they're building for the future. The fact that they're that they are getting playoff experience now, and they are getting wins under their belts already. Before all those players start maturing in the last couple of years, I think the Green Green Bay have uh, every right to be happy. Obviously, I'm not bitter at all, Shane, and knowing a lot of Packers fans, there's no way they're happy to be in the playoffs. It's their birthright. That's what, what they're entitled to. And, you know, that you know, we wish Jordan Love well. The Packers, as we know, have managed to convert about one Super Bowl, Bowl per Hall of Fame quarterback per each 10 years. So that journey begins, I guess, in the playoffs. Of course, I'm bitter. <laughs> I, le- I leave it there for the Packers. Well, ten, oh, I'm, ten in a row, I'm so, sorry to bring it up. Was it ten in a row now that the Packers have over the Bears? I think that I'm hoping that that'll, that'll change soon enough now with the good draft draft capital. But that was a that was a, a tough game yesterday. Yeah, ten in a row. Six of those fields has lost themselves. Um, yeah, we we won't go there. Um, Brian, which team has the most to prove in the playoffs? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. I tell you, you're gonna ask me who 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 I think could be. Genuinely happy to be in. Who's got the most to prove? That that isn't it. That's a tough one. If you, I, 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 I'll give you an answer, and I think you'll probably, people will probably think it's a strange answer. I think it's the Chiefs. And it's probably a little bit surprising, bearing in mind they are the, the Super Bowl champions right now, but they haven't played very well this season. And um, should they go and beat Miami this weekend, they um, Likely go into potentially go into but yeah they will go into to Buffalo who, who could yeah assuming Buffalo take care of business against the Steelers um and that right yeah they're two seed yeah so they go into Buffalo so then we're gonna have a rematch and we've been having these 
ding dong battles between the Bills and the Chiefs over the course of the last four to five years, and the Bills seem to come out of the right side of most of them, but yet they don't seem to win the ones in the playoffs. So it would be interesting storyline. But bearing in mind how agitated we've seen the team over the course of the last month, in particular on the on the sideline during the games, the offense they don't seem to be all in unison with one another. Obviously, nobody played really yesterday. They got over the line last week against the Bengals. They struggled. I think in, in a roundabout way, it probably sounds bizarre, but I think they've got the biggest point to prove because all the other teams that come into the playoffs have a good. They've had a good season overall. Team okay, Dolphins have fallen away, but for a large parts of the season, they were really strong, and they're in the number two seat up to the very end. I think the Chiefs right now are sitting there, probably thinking we've got to go out and make a make a point for another teams that we're still hanging around and we still want to re- retain our title. I don't think that's that's bizarre at all. You know, if you had put me on the spot, I would have said either the Chiefs, to your point, or potentially the Eagles, given, you know, the, the thought process last year was, oh, they'll run it back and they'll go one better. And given the strength and depth they appear to have on their roster and all of that. Um, it's interesting to hear Peter King actually on Sky Sports saying this is a team that aged overnight. They've made them the oldest mistake in sports. They kept a lot of their veteran players one year too, too long and they're one year past their peak now, which... Look, we'll see going into the playoffs. They, they could be a dangerous one. Uh, Shane, to wrap it up then, who's your dark horse? The Los Angeles Rams are my dark horse. And I think that, that that's mainly because uh, the way that they've uh, developed over the year and just how good of a coach Sean McVay is. I think we, sometimes we, 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 I definitely forgot that coming into the season. I think remember we, we, we saw the, the Rams win a Super Bowl and we thought, okay, that was them working in their future. They're going to be gone for a couple of years before they start coming back in. And we see now that it's, it's a young team. They've hit a couple of home runs in the draft, particularly with Puka Nakua. Uh, Matthew Stafford is playing well. He's going into a place he knows in Detroit. They can build momentum going into this. There's not a single team that they are afraid of. Not even the 49ers. And I know, fair enough, know the, the win against the 49ers yesterday has is, is a massive asterisk with the fact that the Niners were benching a lot of their starters. But the Rams are going to be very dangerous. On the AFC side of things, as much as there's a lot of teams like the Browns and the Texans who will be tricky, I don't see any of those going as far as winning the Super Bowl. But if the Rams got it where the NFC or won, where the NFC champions and managed to get as far as Las Vegas, they have a decent chance simply because there's experience there. They have a very good head coach. And I think they're a team that have matured just at the right time. I think that's a good shout. Um, Brian, I don't know whether they're a dark horse since they won the division. Um but they kind of crept up on the rail, the Buffalo Bills, and wanted to talk about Sunday night's game. Um, if you told me this was an opening game of the season rather than a Week 18 game, I would have believed you. It was very sloppy for both teams, which perhaps reflected the magnitude of what was at stake. The division, the number two seed in the AFC, potentially two home games uh, in the playoffs, provided you win your your first one, and we'll see how Buffalo go against the Steelers. But um, suddenly the, the, the Bills went from being you know, a massive disappointment to everything clicking just at the right time. Do you, do you think, and we, we questioned it at the time, whether it was the right decision or whether he was being made scapegoat, but maybe in hindsight now we need to eat a bit of humble pie here. Was the firing of Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, actually the thing that helped it all go right? Well, they're six and one since he left, and uh, the numbers tell a, tell a tale of, maybe not so much the, the play calling, more about the cohesion and how players want to play. Like, there's a completely different mindset there. I wouldn't say it's been great. I wouldn't say it's been like, it's not like it's completely revamped and they've been absolutely fantastic. I think they've had their struggles. We touched on it last Thursday. You know, they struggled last weekend against the Patriots um, in term, and the week prior to that in SoFi against the Chargers. And even last night, like Josh Allen for me was a bit, 
he wasn't, I thought he should have been a little bit more cautious at times. The interception in the red zone, trying to throw the ball away. The interception where he just threw it up, I felt. And then he has the fumble in the red zone and a critical point in the game. But I thought they were sloppy again last night. And I thought it wasn't for the 90-yard punt return. That got them back into the game. They, looked like they the also, um, you know, call back to the 12 men on the field that was the last straw that got, in inverted commas, Ken Dorsey fired. Like the the play before half time where they ran out of time was daft. That's really, really bad clock management, really bad play calling, and could have ultimately cost them. Like if they hadn't, the Dolphins hadn't coughed up that massive punt return after half time, Bills could have really regretted not then not having the opportunity to kick that field goal, which would have been a chip shot. But this is the thing with the likes of Josh Allen. There's a narrative out there on Josh Allen. There's a narrative for different quarterbacks because certain teams do that. And they, they get criticised for the entirety of the week between their local media and the NFL in the general sense around the league. Where with Josh Allen, he's like, oh, he's a gunslinger. That's the way he plays. He plays with his, you know, his heart on his shoulder. You know, he's gonna, he's always going to go for it. But there has to be a time where a head coach needs to step in and say, no, the most sensible thing here in this game is to take take that field goal. And just touching on the Dolphins, the second half, they went 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, 4-0, 4-0. They had the ball at the end. They couldn't get it done. They didn't score in the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter. And yet the Bills eventually got over the line. Like, it wasn't the most comprehensive or, you know, impressive. They've fallen into the two-seed. Two They've gone on a great run. Don't get me wrong. We've seen teams come into the playoffs at the right time, go on their own. But ultimately, they're going to have to beat the Chiefs or beat the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl. And that, to me, is too big of, a, too big of an ask right now. They're, they're not playing an 11, I think. Once they've gone on a run, they're not playing an 11 for me to be in the Super Bowl. Shane, what, what, where do you sit on the on the Bills? I, I had them tucked in as my dark horse behind the Rams, who, who you mentioned yourself again if I was put on the spot. Um, they're not a team that a lot of teams would necessarily relish playing, but for every statement win like they've had, the 48-20 win over the Dolphins earlier this season, they put up some good wins and that 6-1 and one spell down the stretch. They've also had, you know, they really struggled to get over the Patriots, who were obviously in a funk at the time, to put it mildly, and that game against the Dolphins, as Brian said, was it as much about the Dolphins coughing it up as it was about the Bills going to get it? And um, they're not—they're still not necessarily a team that you're going to trust to get it done in the playoffs. But maybe that's exactly where they want to be. Maybe we're right back to where we started at the start of the season. I remember Brian saying it. Maybe the Bills are happy for us to sleep on them a little bit, rather than the last two seasons when they've gone in thirteen and four, thirteen and three the previous year, looked like the class of the AFC, and it hasn't worked out. Yeah, firstly in relation to the Sunday, the Sunday night game. As much as the Bills managed to get things done on a defensive to make a few plays, that was the Dolphins' game to win, and they just didn't didn't get it done. It was as simple as that. I I I would very much put the blame on the Dolphins losing that game rather than, than the Bills winning it. Fair enough, the Bills managed to get a, a fortunate touchdown. There was the punt return as well. But in terms of the way, the way they've been playing all season, a lot of their wins, even at the, the tail end of the year, have been close. I mean, they beat the the Dolphins by seven, the Patriots by six, the Chargers by two. A big win against the Cowboys, in fairness, with the Cowboys on an off day. And they managed to get a close one against the Chiefs, and they probably should have won, uh, beaten the Eagles, but they uh, they didn't manage to get things done. There's a lot of very close games there, and that could mean one of two things. A, uh, they're just not good enough to, when they're coming up against opponents, they're really stamped dominance on the game. Or B, they're quite good at, at eking things in uh, in these close situations. And we talk a lot about, about situational football. It's the kind of thing that the Bills... Um, have gotten better at since the fire of Ken Dorsey, it must be said. And in terms of Josh Allen as well, I don't know whether it's because you mentioned earlier about some of the play calling, like that uh, failed attempt to, to, get, to get out of bounds and to get the field goal near the end of the first half 
was a typical ah uh, here uh, that we've seen from the Bills all season that you know they have the plan they have the talent they just don't have the execution what we have seen from Josh Allen though is particularly when he's running with the ball he's a lot better player there's a couple of uh, times there where pressure came in from the Dolphins defenders but he found his space he found the run he managed to do probably more impressive than he did beforehand and even though he threw two interceptions one of which was particularly sloppy they were both in the first quarter he managed to clean things up as the game went on whereas Earlier in the season, Josh Allen was throwing things downfield that he'd absolutely no need to go for. So his, his decision-making personally has been the, 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 one of the key differences in how the Bills have uh, improved throughout the season. I don't know whether Ken Dorsey's the kind of person that maybe might have gone into Josh Allen's head and tried to push him toward, uh, towards doing the more riskier things more often. And whether now that he's gone, it means that Allen is a bit more calm and a bit smarter about the way he's doing things. Or whether it's just Josh himself maturing and realizing, okay, I can't keep throwing these stupid deep balls every time. I'm going to start a little, little bit smarter. And if I'm going deep for the Stefan Diggs, I'm going to make sure I'm doing it at the right time. And that is just, I think, the, the Bills have learned from their experience early in the season and went on a good run. What I think it's going to help them now in the playoffs is the fact that they have home field advantage for, well, the first two rounds at least, should they beat the Sears, as I expect them to do this weekend. You know, that... Uh, that is key. Are they going to go in and defeat a Kansas City or uh, or a Baltimore or something like that if they get as far as the AFC Championship game? It, it, it's difficult to know. But I think that the Bills are a team that every game they're going to play is going to be close. It's really down to execution as to whether they're going to be on the right side of a three-point win or the wrong side. Brian, in terms of other feel-good stories, if you like, heading into the playoffs, and the Packers we touched on a little bit earlier, have a guy quarterback made it to the playoffs without Rodgers in year one. They're young, they're hungry, they're dangerous. I know, tongue-in-cheek, I was slagging them earlier saying, well, they, they're just exactly where they expect to be. But in effect, as Shane pointed out earlier, they're, they're really playing with house money here. They are, yeah. I mean, this is the same. Like we, I think the Packers have had such an you know, unusual season. Like we, we joked and talked, spoke about the differing of opinions over the course of the season. Like Initially, if they were you know, all kind of Started about how well he he started off at week one against the Bears, and then he kind of went through a bit bit of a struggle. Like we saw the defeat in Denver and a few other games, but he just didn't, you know, he was struggling, you know. But yet his numbers weren't reflective of that. He was still putting up good numbers, and then he kind of got it back together. They lose a Monday night football game to the Giants, which a lot of people felt they would win, and they got it back on track at the the end of the season. I think what was evident last night, and you touched on today, Connor, when we spoke, was defensively. And okay, we can talk about maybe the flaws of. The Bears' offense yesterday. The events to the yesterday, bearing in mind the pressure which this defense coordinator has been on over the course of the season, as many a Packers fan who would like to see him relieved of his duties come the end of the season. He stepped up in a big way yesterday and got it done. It'd be interesting to see how they look look to manage a Cowboys. They've got a lot of the parts on that side of the ball, though, don't they? We've talked about this before. Like Jair Alexander had a great game. The rookie, Carl Brooks, looks like a player. Rashan Gary's obviously a, you know one of the premier pass rushers in the league. Um, there's some nice bits and pieces there and they certainly all look to be coalescing quite well in that game. Yeah, and they did this last year. The latter stage of last season when they put themselves in a position to get into the playoffs, obviously they lost to the Lions come week 18. But I know that was down to the fact that the defence turned itself around. Earlier on in last season, they were struggling against their own. They were struggling against their own at times earlier on in the season. It's kind of, it hasn't come back together this season, maybe in the manner in which it did the, the latter stage of last season, yesterday when they really needed it. Because as we talk about Jordan, no, but in the offensively yesterday, they were at their best. So we've seen them play a lot better. 
I'm going to cost Apart from, was the honourable exception of Aaron Jones, and this is one of those funny things where sometimes a guy gets injured early in the year, he comes back at just the right time. Aaron Jones looks fresh when everybody else is kind of dinged up, and he, you know, they were talking about this in the game commentary yesterday, Shane. He actually looks faster than he ever has. The Bears really struggle to contain. This is the number one Russian defense in the league, the Chicago Bears, and they, they couldn't get a handle on. Yeah, it's you know it's fantastic to, to to see that that kind of talent, and it's the kind of thing that makes Green Bay dangerous. I mean, it's we, we talk a lot about the right players coming good at the right time. Yeah, the question is though, is whether or not that that speed will be enough to outdo whatever the Cowboys are going to score at home, which we know that they're particularly good in AT and T Stadium. And you know, as much as as we talk about the, uh, uh, you know, the Packers being young, hungry, and Maybe dangerous. I suppose they are dangerous and probably having a better season than they expected. You know, this is uh, this is senior hurling now. I don't know whether uh, whether they'll be able to to stick up in in terms of strength. But it's great to see that they're finding ways to use their offensive talent and just make sure that defensively they're able to keep the other team down low enough. The test coming on Sunday, Connor. Like Cowboys are averaging twenty five points a home game. Like we touched on today. Realistically, they're going to have to put up at least. 27 to 30 points to be in the position to win this game and that's that's going to be down to Jordan you know to can they replicate an offensive performance which we saw over the course of maybe the last four to five weeks but we certainly we, we saw that the you know that the way that the 49ers handled the Cowboys to exploit their weak spots in the run game the Packers might actually be set up to do that I think that's probably their best chance to get a foothold in the game and, and we shall see um moving on to some of the other feel-good stories though and um, Brian, the Texans, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. We were talking about this on, you know, week zero and week one of the season has been an uphill battle. And we were hoping that uh, D'Amico Ryan's widely liked, widely admired <clears throat> young coach heading into his first head coaching job would at least get a chance to succeed. Boy, did himself and Stroud click and get it going. Yeah, what a, what a performance in many ways. I know it didn't necessarily keep the... Uh... The offense consistently going throughout the course of the game. Obviously, Colts at some stage kind of slowed them down, but it was more the way having had their struggles. Like, talk about taking the window of one team sales. The Colts have a really good comprehensive drive in the opening part of the game, but yet they can't score a touchdown. And the first play on offense for the for uh, CJ Stroud, he shows a, a dinger to Nico Collins and he goes in for a touchdown. I took the one towards the end, though, in particular, where he was on his back foot. He, he, He's very clever in a shooting where he's doing. He's throwing the ball away, but he's not throwing the ball away. He's putting in a position where, look, no one's going to intercept this, but if I can put the ball into a certain area and now my player to go and potentially make a catch, and that's ultimately what he did. That Nico Collins catches, you know, that's the marquee catch of Nick Cotton to drive then. I'm to go on and get that touchdown. But, but, and that's he touched on. That's an unbelievable play for, for both players. Like, it's very astute. Like, that's an IQ 200 play from, from, from Stroud and that there's no danger if, if Collins can't come back and get it but he makes a great play on the ball. Yeah, and we spoke about a couple of weeks ago where he had a little bit of a difficult spell for a couple of weeks and we were, we were asking why that coach wasn't putting into his hands on fourth down because he was being rushed and he was being harassed and he was being sacked. But in that instance, it's, it looks similar to what we saw four or five weeks ago. But I don't know what he's learned, the magnitude of what's gone on over the course of time in terms of recognising the play and understanding. But there was something different about him on Saturday night. And, you know, you're looking at a rookie quarterback against a backup quarterback and, Ultimately, comes down to a player or two in the game, and you see Ricardo Minshew play is on the fourth down. That's why he's a there's the difference. There's your quality quarterback you get out of a draft, there's your long term future, as opposed to a quarterback that 
we'll, we'll win you games, but Osby, he's not your he's not your answer in the long term. Well, a nice segue into into Mason Rudolph there, Shane, a player who can win you games, but may not be your long term answer. Not sure the Cedars particularly care right now, um, and we're not sure exactly how they got to the playoffs. I'm not sure if anybody can quite figure out that out, but they did, and probably the least likely way possible. I mean, you would have thought that the best chance of them punching their ticket would have been that the Bills might lose to the Dolphins, which looked a 50-50 game. I don't think anybody thought that the Jags would go out and went to bed and that would be the way that it happened. But it did. And now that they're there, you think they're going to do any damage? Uh, I'm not quite sure how much damage the, they'll be able to do. I think obviously the big difference in the last uh, couple of games is the fact that they went from risky to risky and that they moved on to Rudolph, who hasn't thrown an interception, whereas Mitch Trubisky threw an interception against the Patriots and two interceptions the week afterwards as well. Whereas the last three games they've won, they've had Mason Rudolph not making, not attempting too many passes. I mean, he only attempted 20 passes against the Ravens on Saturday night. Najee Harris made 26 carries. You know, that, that's been the thing. They've been, they're going typical AFC North style. They're going to batter this in and eventually we'll, uh, we'll get it over the line. And look, in fairness to them, they found a way to make it work. The defense as well, I think, has to, to stand up throughout the season that they've managed to keep games winnable. Because a lot of these Cedars games have been tight, they've been physical, they haven't, uh, neither team in a lot of these games, whether it be the Steelers or whoever they're playing against, has managed to bring out a lot of these plays that light things up, these, you know, long passes or, or runs that break for 30, 40, 50 yards. It's always been that tight, that tight thing. And the fact is the defense does its job and manages to keep, you know, the opposition from producing their magic. It, it gives teams a chance and that's how the Steelers have managed to play so long. And I think Mike Tomlin, as much as there's been a lot of question marks over his future, because the Steelers fans, as they are, are expected that a team shouldn't just be good enough to make the playoffs. It should be there, you know, they should either be good enough to make the Super Bowl or they should be in rebuild mode. And the Steelers have been kind of this in-between mode all season where they've just been getting over the line. But in fairness to them, they've been getting over the line. And a win in the NFL is not easy. You should never take anything for granted. And I think how they're using Rudolph uh, has been key to that. They know not to not to force it. They've been designing plays that aren't special, but will get the job done and letting Najee Harris do most of the heavy lifting, which is, I think, you know, it's grand for the last couple of games of the season. Maybe you're trying to push things over, especially against the Ravens team where they're playing a lot of backup players. Whether the Steelers can go far is difficult to see because at some point, if you're Najee Harris taking 26 carries and then another few on top of that when he's, you know, making receptions or blocks or whatever, you know, that physically going to start wearing it out. He's been doing this for three weeks now where he's been trying to carry that offense on his shoulders. That's going to start tearing him down. Plus, there's also the question marks over where the TJ Watt uh, will be fit to the game. So, you know, if they're playing, if they're playing against the Dolphins uh, or I can't remember what way they would have worked out had the Dolphins won last night. They might have had a decent chance, but the fact that they're going... They would have gone to Kansas City, would they have? That, that's right, yeah. They would have went to the three seed. They would have jumped to the six seed. Yeah. Even Kansas City, they might uh, they might have been able to go to Arrowhead and give it a chance against a team that's been kind of fighting amongst itself. If the defense managed to keep something tight and managed to frustrate the wide receivers. But I think the fact that they're going into Buffalo this week, Buffalo are still riding high. And if... if the Bills are going to lose momentum. I don't think it's going to come this weekend. And I think that's going to hurt the Steelers a little bit. The Steelers, you know, will be tough. We'll play hard in the first half. But I think at some point that all that physical football is going to start taking its toll and they're going to slow down the further they 